If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Daniel. Daniel chapter one, we've been pulling uh, this series uh, on 10X from Daniel chapter one, verse 18. It says, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Now these are the Hebrew children. If you know your Bible, you know Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, this is him. And uh, this is the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were taken in captivity. And it says, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, this was their original names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, how many times? Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now, if, if you miss our first week, then you need to know that, that these Hebrew children were devoted to the things of God. They, they were taken into captivity and uh, they, they were ripped from their homeland. And in this place, the Bible says in Daniel chapter one that Daniel decided or made a decision not to defile himself. So he had high standards for his life, who he was. He chose to follow God in every area, even in little areas. And uh, so they chose not to eat the king's food, but to eat vegetables, and uh, how many love your veggies? Uh, chose to eat those, just, just, just water and vegetables for I think it was 40 days. It says at the end of those 40 days, they were tested. And it says they were found to be 10 times smarter. Another translation just says 10 times better. This, this is not like they got 10 times the amount of spiritual gifts. They heard God 10 times better. It says on their natural faculties, their cognitive abilities, they were 10 times better than everybody else. So, so this is what we call the anointing. The anointing is God's super on our natural. So it's not just some mysterious, super weird, or super spiritual. The, the, the anointing is simply, there are some things that we can't do in our own power. And God anoints us to do them. And we talked about this. You can probably supersize your vision in your own strength. Work harder, work longer hours, get on your grind, hustle. You could probably make it a little bit better. But to 10 exit is something that's totally beyond. It's, it's really more than an amount. It's a mentality that says, I'm, I'm trusting God, not just to do it in my own strength. I'm trusting for something that is so beyond my own ability. I'm, I'm trusting for that 10 X anointing. Next Sunday, we're going to be praying for people as we take the offering. We're praying specifically for people to, to, for the uh, 10 X anointing. What? God's super on your natural. I was praying this week for the 10X anointing, my fourth grade basketball team, which I coach. Uh, we were in our end of the season tournament and um, we didn't, it didn't work. Okay. So um, I know God cares about sports. I'm, I'm sure he does, but it didn't, the 10X anointing did not, did not show up. I was praying for it. I was, I think, I think Caleb was the only one that had it. Caleb had it and, and everybody else, it just it didn't happen. But we're, we're, we're believing God for a 10X anointing, or can I say it this way, a 10x mentality that sees things not for what they can't be, but for what they can be. As a church, we've had an incredible last decade, but we're believing that God's going to do more in the next decade than he did in the last decade. Not just as us as a church, but for you and your family, in your business, in your endeavors, that God, God's blessing would be on this in the next 10 years. So we've been saying 10x in the next 10. God, will you 10x us? 
Will you bring us into a 10x anointing over the next decade? Daniel chapter 3, this is two chapters later, is a really familiar passage of scripture. And I want to spend some time here, uh, but, but I, want to, I want to connect Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 3. So sometimes when you read the Bible, we have all kinds of these stories. And if you've been in Sunday school, or you grew up in church, you've heard Daniel chapter 3. But Daniel chapter 3 is even more pivotal if you understand Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1 gives us the history of these men who were taken into captivity, who Babylon made an attempt to re-educate and rename them. We talked about this in week one. This is the ploy of the enemy or the world in your life to re-educate you and to re-identify you. So, so that you no longer see yourself as the way God sees you. You see yourself by what you failed in or what you lack or what you don't have yet. This is the way that the world re-educates us to try to think that success is this or status or an amount. And so we get caught up in these things. It's re-education. But, but the, the children, the, these Hebrew children, these young men, they refused to be indoctrinated by the culture of Babylon. Babylon's a type and shadow of the world today. It's a type and shadow of evil. That there, there is, I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a battle for your destiny. The Bible says that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion. The devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is a, this is a real battle. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We're talking about 10xing everything. And I just want you to know, in the, in the attempt to 10x, if you, there's 10x progress, then there's also going to be 10x opposition. This isn't like just the, the 10x anointing takes away all of your problems and all of the difficulties. There is, there is a battle. So in Daniel chapter 1, these men are anointed. They're 10 times smarter, 10 times better. They are in captivity, and they, they get promoted to the king's palace. And we pick it up two chapters later. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high. It's about 90 feet high, six cubits wide, nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Theologians tell us that it was the image of himself. Okay, so I don't know how the planning process went on that. It was like, you know, what should we make? Mountains, trees, me. Uh, that's, that's what they went with. And so they, they, they made, a, made a statue of himself, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and people of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. These are all instruments. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Not great news. All right. Here are these people been ripped from their home. They get a 10x anointing. They get promoted to the palace. But now they reach a crossroads where the king is saying, it's not enough for you just to be in my service. I'm going to make a statue and I want you to worship it. I'm going to tell you this. The world is never satisfied with you just serving it. Any type of service to the world will ask you for your soul. 
It's never satisfied. Evil is never satisfied. Compromise is never satisfied. It will keep asking and keep demanding and keep drawing from you. And so now chapter three, they reach this point of no of, of decision where they have to choose. I'm either going to bow down and worship this statue or I get to get thrown into the furnace. I don't know about you, but like, I, I would really consider what I'm about to do. I'm thinking like, how can I serve God in my heart, but still like kind of bow? And it, it wasn't like just a small amount of people. We're talking about thousands and thousands of people that have assembled. And when the music plays, they're going to bow. So I'm sure their hearts are beating as they're thinking about, man, whew, this is this. I wonder how many people are going to stand. wonder if there's going to be more than just us, right? The Bible doesn't tell us where Daniel is. I want to know where Daniel is. Daniel's nowhere to be seen in the book. So he's hiding somewhere. It's just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says that the, 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 the music plays and these three men stand. I'm going to tell you, it takes a special kind of boldness that when the majority is bowing to make a decision to stand. Not only that, it takes a special kind of boldness that when the majority is bowing to stand knowing that there's a consequence to what you're about to stand for. Did, did you know that, that we're in a time where you might be tested at some point on what you will stand for and what you will bow to? That there has to be some sort of boldness in the people of God that knows what we stand for, what we believe in, and we will be unshakable in that place. This is why truth can't be in a person, a pastor, a platform, a church. Truth has to be found in the word of God. That, that truth that I glean from is truth that I will stand on. That I am unshakable in what this Bible says. Because Babylon will try to teach you that the scripture is not correct. Babylon will try to teach you that what's, saying, what's said in the word is just archaic and not for today. Culture will try to tell you something different what the word of God says. And we have to make a decision that we will always stand, that our behavior will adhere to what the word of God says. They have been blessed. These, ten, these, ten, these boys, even though they're enslaved in Babylon, they've been blessed. They've been promoted. And now they have to make a decision that ultimately has the potential to cost them their life. I found this to be true about the enemy. He knows what sounds to play to make us bow. He has, he's, got a different, he's got a different mixed track for all of us that he can play to make us bow. It's one thing to stand when we're all together in worship and we're believing, but, but the enemy knows in the confines of your own home and the confines of your own mind, he knows what sound, what song to play that makes you contemplate, do I stand or do I bow? In the story, it says that the music played and everybody bowed and they stood. Now, if it was me, I would strategically position myself so no one saw me, but I'd make sure I'm standing because I want to stand, but I also don't want to burn. All right. And, and it says, it says that Nebuchadnezzar didn't even see them. It says that they, there were some other people that ratted them out. I want to know who those fools were, right? They're like, Hey, they, they didn't bow. They didn't bow. It's like, man, you need to go in the furnace. Like, that's not right. So they tell, they tell Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar calls these Hebrew children to himself. And, and the Bible says he's infuriated. That, that now he puts them on display and, and gives them another opportunity. Now, th this is interesting to me because it, 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 I would think that he would just kill them right away. But instead, he gives them another chance. I, it's almost like Nebuchadnezzar was like, maybe they misunderstood me. If you don't bow, you're going to die. 
It was abnormal to him to find that type of boldness or that type of devotion, that type of dedication. And, and so he gives him another, gives them another opportunity to either stand or to bow. I, w- I was praying this week and I was thinking about this, this, this story. And it's like, man, they got the 10x blessing and then they got the 10x fire. I started thinking, what do you do when a 10x anointing brings you into a 10x fire. Everybody wants the blessing. Everybody wants the miracle. Everybody wants to prosper. Everybody wants the success. But friends, I'm going to tell you this. There's really no progress without some sort of opposition. There is is no victory without some type of fight. And I want you to have a 10x blessing, but I got to tell the truth to you that a 10x blessing is also going to come with some 10x fires. There's some things that you're going to have to walk through, some storms that you're going to have to overcome, some challenges that you are going to have to break through into if you are going to step into everything that God has for you. I know some of you are like jazzed up, like bring on the fire. And the other personality is like, okay, I just won't have the 10x blessing. That's fine. I'll just take one X minus the fire. You have the potential to do great things for the kingdom of God in your lifetime on this earth. In fact, God has things that he wants and has prepackaged you with the ability to do. You don't want to settle for 1x when you were made for 10x. You, you, you don't want to settle for something less than the thing that God has destined or designed for you to do. The enemy will attempt to play sounds of intimidation and fear to try to get you to bow out on your calling. I've been thinking about 10x, and I, I said this earlier, it's more of a mentality than it is a number. But it's this, it's the difference between abundance and poverty. I was praying at the beginning of the year and uh, we were in the middle of our fast and I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this year? What are you going to do in this next decade? And I felt like the Lord prompted me and, and, and spoke to me that, that this would be the year of abundance. I'm like, oh, praise God. I've been waiting for that word forever, you know? And it doesn't even rhyme with 2024 because usually prophetic words for years have to rhyme with the year, right? It's like, set me free in 23. Open the door in 24, right? And this one was abundance. So I'm like, maybe I missed it. And everybody, everybody wants abundance. I'm like, man, I've been, I, want, I like this word, abundance. But I felt like the Lord began to speak to me that it wasn't about an abundance as in I'm gathering an abundance, but an abundance of a mentality that, that, that ceases to think God can't. That's a poverty mentality. God can't or God won't or God might not. And it steps into an abundance mentality that sees the possibility of what God can do. In fact, the people of God should always operate in a place of abundance because we're not operating in our power, in our strength, and in our name. But when you operate in the name of Jesus and you operate under that anointing and that power, friends, you should have confidence and you should have abundance in your mentality, your perspective, and in your faith. That's it. We don't serve a God of poverty. We serve a God of abundance, of more than enough. And you have to rewire your brain so you don't just think abundance means having a lot of things. Abundance is the possibility, the potential of what God can do. It's time to start dreaming from the place of abundance. So, so when you think about your life 
and you're like, man, if I could just, if we could just get out of debt, that's too small. If I could just, if I could just get to church every week, that's too small. If I, if I could just get to a point where I pray every once in a while, that's too small. You need to walk with God. You need to study his word. You need to be prosperous. You need to be victorious. You need to make a difference in the kingdom. You need to advance God's kingdom. You all have that in you. You say, Pastor, you don't, you don't know me. No, it's in you. I didn't put it in you. God put it in you. It's prepackaged on the inside of you. You just have to awaken the purpose that God already put there. It's in you. But if you're going to step into all that God has, you have to start thinking, looking, imagining on a different level. It's, it's 10x vision. It's 10x dreaming. I was talking with uh, Pastor Madison last week before she was about to preach, and, and uh, they were talking about some of their goals with real estate and uh, trying to do this and do that. And uh, it, she, she was saying that she's got, she's increasing her vision, right? Because we're talking about 10x. Do, do you know this? If you had a goal to just, man, if, if you're going to get one rental property in the next 10 years, that was your goal, you might be able to do it. Did you know if your goal was to have 10 rental properties in the next 10 years. I'm not saying you get it, but you might have four or five or six because if you set your targets too low, you will always settle for the pathway of least resistance. We're trying to stir faith to think and dream bigger so that we can advance his kingdom the best, to the best of our ability. The, the, the Hebrew children understood this 10x anointing, but now they faced a 10x fire. So I, I want to give you a couple things that I think are really important if you're going to accomplish the dreams that you have in your heart. So if you're going to accomplish a 10x dream, then you have to have 10x. This is number one. You have to have 10x discipline. Everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, that one's fun. 10x discipline. So th th this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't that spiritual. This is pretty practical. You got to have 10x discipline. Some people want to be all spiritual. And I'm, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray myself into shape. That's not going to work. That's not, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a discipline to move. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to study. I'm just going to pray. I'm, I'm going back to school. I'm going back to college. I'm going to graduate. I have the 10x anointing. You, you're going to have to probably study. You're going to have to have some discipline. See, God works in partnership with the abilities that he's given you. So it's not just you natural in your own thinking. God gave you your brain. God gave you your ability to process and to think. God gave you your body. God gave. So it's in partnership with God that we choose on a natural level to have discipline. You need to have some type of structure or rhythm that is leading you towards the goal that you want. If you have a 10x goal, a 10x dream, what's the discipline? The greater the dream, the greater the discipline. Your discipline is going to have to match the magnitude of your dream. You can't just dream big and pray big and think it's going to happen. If we're believing as a church for city transformation and we're dreaming about what could happen, we also have to have rhythms of discipline that set us up strategically, financially, with our influence, with our relationships, with real estate, with leadership. All of the, it has to be strategic and it comes down to discipline. The, the Hebrew children were disciplined. We read in, in Daniel chapter one, in part one of this series, we talked about this. This is when they kicked away 
the king's food and they decided to eat just have water and vegetables. So we see a discipline. And it says David cho or Daniel chose not to defile himself by the eating at the king's table. So he disciplined himself. It was shortly after his discipline that they received a 10x anointing. So 10x dreams require 10x discipline. 10x dreams require 10x determination. Discipline and determination are a little bit different than this. Discipline is the rhythm or the pattern or the, the want to or the will to do the thing. Determination is the, is the grit that keeps you doing it. Determination is often tied, if you look at the definition of determination, it's often tied to a task. So I've got the discipline. Now the determination is that part of me that says I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. We see that the Hebrew children had this. They had determination because not only did they make the discipline, we're only eating vegetables and we're drinking water, is they actually carried it out the entire time. So they had determination to follow through. Now, I've, you've probably done this as much as I have, but I like to set, I like to dream big. But in dreaming big, sometimes you can dream too big. Right? Beyond your ability. And, and um, we're talking about God dreams, but I'm talking about like New Year's resolutions. You know, like, I will not eat a gram of sugar for the entire year. Like, day two, you're like, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Like, I, I got it. You do, I don't have the determination to carry out this discipline. Or I'm going to pray four hours and 45 minutes every single day. Like, well, you, it's probably not possible. At least if you have kids, right? Or maybe you're praying more if you have kids. I don't it, Sometimes we set these disciplines, but then we don't have the determination to bring about the follow through. A lot of change happens gradually over time. They, they, most wealth managers, most wealth managers will tell you that wealth is most commonly collected or produced with saving a small amount over a long period of time. It's like, I, I, I wish crypto would just hit but you're probably going to gain wealth by saving a little over a discipline of saving and the determination to do it over a long period of time. Determination is usually tied to the task. And here's the third one. Dreams will take discipline. It will take 10x determination. But all of those have to hinge on this 10x devotion. 10x devotion. I was studying this and this is so interesting that 10x devotion, if you look at the definition, determination and devotion actually look very similar. Determination is the purpose or the resolve to do something usually tied or connected to a task. Devotion is the resolve or the purpose to do something usually connected to a person. It's a deeper level of commitment. It's usually tied to people. It's tied to a person. I'm devoted to someone. Devotion is deeper. It's connected to some type of relationship. Now, in, in, in our text, in Daniel chapter three, if you start walking down the chapter, it gets really interesting because Daniel chapter three, we actually see devotion at work. Chapter three, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Okay, so this is after they chose not to bow twice. They're about to, they're about to be s'mores, all right? This is, this is happening. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. 
And everybody likes to party right here. I was just like, man, how bad is that? Just right on the edge of the fiery furnace. And they're like, if you throw us in, God will deliver us. We're like, let's end the chapter right there. But it doesn't, it doesn't end. It says, uh, from your majesty's hand, verse 18, but even if he does not, did anybody ever entertain the thought that God might not? I don't like to, I don't like to think about, I don't like to think about this. That stresses me out. I like to live in faith. I like 10 X dreaming. And I don't want to think about that. God might lead me into a fire that he might not deliver me from that, that, that like violates some of, some of you are like that violates my theology. It's not theology you study, but theology you heard somewhere. But anyways, it violates something because it's like, God's good. Like, why would he lead me into a fire? fire. Lower the register there. Why would he lead me into a fire? Did, did you ever think that, that God would actually use the ploys and the tactics and the strategies of the enemy that were meant to take you out to somehow get him glory? He, he, these guys are about to get thrown into this furnace. Not only that, but it says, it says in one of the verses, it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, he's so mad. He's, he's angry that they won't worship this idol. And, and he says, I want you to heat it up seven times hotter. You heard this? Seven times hotter. That always kind of like confuses me because I'm like, I thought you wanted to hurt him. Because if you, if you would really want to hurt him, you'd, you'd make it seven times cooler. Like slow roast, right? That's bad. You seven times, that's fine with me. It's 10 exit, seven exit, whatever you want. The faster, the better. If I'm going in there, I want to die quick. I'm just saying. He says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to increase the temperature seven times. And it says that the men that went to throw them in, some of his top guards, top officials, went to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. It says the fire was so hot that it burned them, and they died. I saw the fires. It's hot. It's a hot, it's a hot furnace. But it's interesting that these Hebrew children said, even if you don't, I'll read the rest of the scripture. It says, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These young men were devoted to God over their desire to survive. They were devoted to God over their desire to survive. It is easy to choose God when he does. How many of us are willing to choose him when he does not? This threw me for a loop as I'm studying because if you think about this, that is, that's tough. That's real devotion. My determination and discipline will usually lead me to avoid the fires of life but my devotion will get me to trust God in the fires of life. If I'm left to my own devices, my discipline and determination will avoid at all costs fires. But when I'm devoted, not to a, determined to a task, I'm devoted to a person. If following him leads me to a fire, then I'm okay. If serving God leads me to a storm, I'm all right. Because I'm not serving God for what he can do for me. You know this is how we do it. It's like, it's like God's a vending machine. And if, if we put in enough money, 
when we put in enough service, when we throw enough flourish parties, when we serve on enough lead teams, then, hey, God, what are you going to do for me? You know how long I've come to this church? You know how long I've taught? You know how long I've prayed? You know, whoa, 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 whoa. He's not a vending machine. Devotion says, God, I'm committed to you because of who you are. You know when God was committed to us? Romans chapter five, verse eight. It says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So Jesus chose us at our worst. And now we have a choice every day to choose and to serve him out of devotion or to try to avoid every fire of this life. But friends, I'm going to tell you, Jesus even warned us. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. I don't think Christians in 2024 know how to read the Bible because we're surprised when trouble comes. We're like, oh my goodness, was it because I didn't pray an hour? Because I tied 9% instead of 10%, now God's punishing me. No, friends, you're just in this world. And life is life, and it affects everybody. It hits everybody. So if it's gonna hit you no matter what, you might as well 10X your dream, and 10X your vision, and 10X your anointing, and walk with God through every fire that comes. Take it on full in the face, and say, God, if you're leading me in it, then I'm gonna trust you in it. Can you trust God when he doesn't? If you read on in the passage, Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, this story continues. And before I read it, I, I, I was thinking, you know, a true fan of a sports team, and I love, I love sports so much and competition and all that. But you know what a true test of a sports fan is? Is are you a fan when they lose? I know there's a lot of Chief fans in the world right now. Now, we love the Chiefs, praise God. I hope the real Chief fans and all the old, the old Chief fans in the room, I hope you're like fans when they weren't good. Because that's the real test of a fan, right? It's not just, are you a fan when the team does what I want and wins like I wanted to? Do you, are you actually devoted to the team right through the ups and the downs. The story goes on, Daniel chapter three, verse 24, it says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, asked his advisor. So this is what happens now. They throw them into the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is, is hearing something from the fire. Now this is not in the text. It's in another, it's another recording of this time in the Septuagint, another reading. And it says this, in that reading, it says that Nebuchadnezzar heard them singing praises to God from the fire. Whoa. Throw them in. All of a sudden you start, I sought the Lord. <laughs> it's like, He's singing. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, it went, sounded better in my mind before I said them. He leapt to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Hold on. They throw in three, and now when they look, there's four. 
This is what theologians would call a Christophany, which is an appearance of Jesus before Jesus came to earth. That right here in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament book, this is Jesus. In Jesus wasn't in the palace. Jesus wasn't at the table. Jesus wasn't by the statue. Jesus was waiting for them in the fire. Friends, I don't know if you've ever really been through a fire, but I'll tell you where you can guarantee that you will always find him is in the difficulties, the storms, the fires of life. He, he, was, he was in there. It doesn't say he jumped in with them. It says that they, actually it says they fell in because the dudes died. They fell in. And it says Jesus was actually there in the fire. Whoa. Did you know that every difficulty that you ever go through, that Jesus will be with you? It might sound simple. It might sound trivial to some, but this is encouraging to some of you that are really fighting in a place of fire and a place of storm in your life, that you're not in it alone, that he is actually in that place with you. If you would just look around and know he is with you. Now, this is a crazy part. The story goes on because Nebuchadnezzar tells him to come out. Daniel chapter 3, verse 26, it says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, told him to come out. So Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they came out of the fire. And it says, the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Okay, hold on. If I gotta go through the fire, which you do, I wish I had a way, some 10X like avoidance trick, that you're gonna go through fire. But you won't go through the fire alone. And if your heart is, God, I'll serve you, if and if not, says that Jesus is there in the fire, but when they come out, watch the only things that burned. The only things that burned were the things that bound them and the people that threw them in. I'm not wishing ill will on your enemies. I'm just gonna let you know what happened in Daniel. The only people that died were the ones that tried to kill them. And the Bible says the only thing that was burnt in the fire was the people that tried to kill them and the things that tried to bind them. And I want you to know that when you go through fires and difficulties and storms, I know it's not fun and I know it's a challenge of your faith, but friends, God is with you in the midst of it. And on the other side of your storm and on the other side of your fire. The only thing that's going to be burnt in you is the things that tried to hold you back and the removal of the people that tried to keep you there. And there's one more. It says there was not or no smell of fire on them. You can't go to Hard Eight Barbecue without smelling for four days. And these men are in a furnace with two dudes dead and they come out and there's no smell. Do you know what that means for us? That means that there are some fires that you're in right now that you think you will never recover from. 
there are some seasons in your past that you think you will never get over. And this promise in the Old Testament is a promise for you today that there will not be a smell of smoke of the fire that you've went through, of the fire of the heartbreak, of the fire of the bankruptcy, of the fire of the, uh, of the disappointment, the fire of the discouragement. The, fi- the, the smell of fire is not going to be on you. You'll remember what God brought you through, but what God brought you through will not mark you, will not make you remember the pain of yesterday. God's bringing you through. I think back to some seasons of my life and I know that there were some of the greatest fires that I've experienced and I'm thinking I will never have faith again like I did before. I will never have joy again like I did before. And you know what? On the other side of the fire, you get to experience God's faithfulness and His goodness. And I was... I was we were on our anniversary trip a couple last week. We we're sitting on a patio, fire going, looking at the ocean. Oh my God, I don't even smell like smoke. I don't even smell like smoke. That's the healing. That's the heat. We've all been through the fires. But friends, when God leads you through, it doesn't mean you don't go through them because we all go through them. But they don't have to ruin you. They don't have to mark you. They don't, they, don't, they don't have to label you. They don't have to scar you. You can go through it, but he's going through it with you and you're coming out on the other side. Friends, the 10X anointing might get you a 10X fire, but the 10X fire might burn off everything that ever bound you and might remove the people that have tried to kill you. I'm telling you, God's releasing a 10X anointing in his people, on his church, in this city, in your family, and in your business. And we need people that are not serving God just for what he can do, but we're serving God for who he is. It's not just grit and determination. Friends, it's a holy devotion to give God all we are and to serve him for who he is.